Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. We are so honored that you would take a few minutes and you would join us, even if it's through an app on your phone right now. We're just honored that you would spend the time with us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time with us in person, we would love to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We would love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to serve you. So make plans to join us. But right now, I hope that you enjoy this message and we hope that it encourages you and it blesses you today. All right. Palm Sunday. How's everybody feeling today, by the way? Everyone feeling good? I feel like we started. It was a little bit down. I don't like, I don't like being down. Um, and uh, I, I don't like being sad. And uh, I've been a little sad. But um, I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited that it's Palm Sunday. Uh, I'm excited we dedicated some babies and we're going to do some more in a couple weeks. I'm excited that Easter's next week. Come on, let me hear it for Easter. I'm excited for Easter. Um, and I couldn't move to Easter without going through today. And so uh, this is Palm Sunday. And uh, y'all may, if you came from like a Pentecostal church or maybe a traditional like Baptist church, you may have like waved the, have, have y'all ever done that before in church? Like you got the palm branches and I'm allergic to everything. So we ain't doing that here. Uh, yeah, we can go to Hobby Lobby. That'd be good. Harrison works at Hobby Lobby. He can hook us up. Uh, but... Um, we can't move to Easter without going through Holy Week. And uh, Holy Week's really important. And uh, it's important for us to kind of journey through Holy Week together. And uh, we don't own our own building. And so we can't do like a Good Friday service most of the time or, or whatever. We have to be here like on Sundays only for the most part. This place is great, but we just can't be in here. So I'm going to walk you through a whole week worth of stuff right now. All right? And I know if you've been here before, you're thinking, Lord... Help us! I have dinner plans, Clint. So you gotta wrap it up, you know. So, but I'm, I promise it's gonna be, uh, you know, 59 minutes. That's my goal. All right, I'm joking. It's not gonna be that long. There's a lot of new people here. Don't worry. It's gonna be great. Trust me. Uh, but uh, I, I'm excited, and I want to walk you through that. I, I believe today's gonna be powerful. If you allow God to work in your heart. Today's going to be powerful. And so the, you might uh, get a little out of your comfort zone today. I'm not going to ask anyone to come up here and like share your testimony or your biggest secrets, nothing like that. But there's going to be some movement today, nothing weird. All right, I just want to let you know it's all good. God's going to do a big work today. And if you've noticed, there is a cross up here that's got a bunch of nails in it. We're going to get to that later. But before I forget to say this, I borrowed this from another church. Um, and the bottom of it looks like they're wanting to use it in a zombie apocalypse. Uh, it's got nails sticking out of the bottom of it, okay? Not these nails, but like screws and stuff. When you come up here later, don't nick yourself on the, the screws, all right? I can't give you a tetanus shot at church today. So don't watch out down there and just be aware um, and just we'll be fine. So I wanted to say that now because at that point of the service later, it won't be the time to say that. So anyway, uh, watch out for the zombie weapon down there. That's all I'm saying. Um, it's okay to laugh, okay? Uh, by the way, my word, maybe I'm just not funny. Um, all right, so I want to I wanna work through Holy Week. And so we, we get to start at Palm Sunday, which a lot of your Bibles and maybe the churches you grew up in refer to it as the triumphal entry. Y'all say that. Say triumphal entry. Triumphal entry. 
Look at that. That's so good. Y'all sound so good. That's, that's what it was. When Jesus came in, he was riding on a donkey. People were shouting Hosanna. They were praising Jesus as he was coming through. They laid their garments on the ground and all this stuff. And uh, it was, a, it was uh, fit for a king. Like this entry was, it, the way he rode into town was fit for a king. So I'm going to work through this week. We're going to start at Palm Sunday and we're going to end at Good Friday today. And uh, we're going to work through what was Jesus doing? What, what was going on? that was important during that time. And it all starts with this right here. So this story uh, of the triumphal entry was, or Palm Sunday is recorded in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all talk about this and they all kind of share different uh, details. Uh, but it's really interesting. We're going to look at um, the book of Matthew today in that account. So Matthew 21, if you don't have your Bibles, you can look up right here and uh, you can see it up there. It says this, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to town they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Uh, there's a Bethpage, Tennessee. Am I right? That's where your parents live, right? Emily, is that where your parents live? So, okay, that's what I thought. Okay. Not that Bethpage. This Bethpage is in, in Israel. All right, so Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives is significant. We're going to, uh, a lot of significant things in Jesus's life happened on the Mount of Olives. And so it's interesting that this happens there. It says, Jesus sent two of the disciples on ahead. And he said, he said, go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. And I love this part right here. Uh, if anyone asks you what you're doing, just say the Lord needs it. All right. So I pass car lots all the time and I would love to just go to a car and be like, don't worry, the Lord needs this car. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need this GMC. Uh, the, the Lord needs it, right? He just, he just says, hey, just the Lord needs it. And then it says he will immediately let you take them. Now, we don't have any clue why Jesus could have set up this ahead of time. Jesus could have appeared to them in a vision. I don't know what happened, but I just think that's a really interesting thing. And so they uh, this took place to fulfill the prophecy. It was important that this had to happen. Because hundreds of years before this, a prophet wrote that Jesus would ride in on a donkey. Like, it's amazing, the Bible. Some, some people in here might have a hard time believing if the Bible's true. Stuff like this happened, all, hundreds of accounts of prophecies coming true uh, through Jesus happened all throughout the Bible, and they're not generic. They're very specific prophecies. And one of them was, the king is going to ride into the city on a donkey. It wasn't just saying, like, uh, generic stuff. It was giving details. And it's important that these details take place. And it says, tell the people of Jerusalem, this is what the prophet said, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt uh, to him and threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches or palm tree palm branches uh, from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, "Praise God for the Son of David! Blessing, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Praise God in the highest heaven!" So he looks at his disciples and he says, "Hey." 
go get this donkey. He gets on this donkey. He fulfills this prophecy. And uh, the people get really, really excited. And it's something that I want to kind of paint the picture for you today um, as to why the people reacted the way that they did. So they would, they laid their garments um, on the ground. They, they waved palm branches. And that was actually what they did back then when a warrior would come back from war. That's how they would welcome him. Now, man, if you were like a Jack Reacher or somebody like that, right? Like you would, you would come back from war and they would do this for you as a sign to show like, man, this great warrior, he's coming. We got this dude on our team. Ain't nobody can touch us. You know what I'm saying? That's what they thought. And so they, they, that's, they were giving him the welcome of a warrior and of a political leader. And so they were looking at Jesus to save them politically. Jesus was, they were like, they, they thought that Jesus was coming into town. Jesus has been building this following. He's been building these hundreds of people are following him around now. Anytime he shows up, you can't even get in the room because it's so packed in there. The dude has been over three years. There's been this little army of people that have been getting bigger and bigger around him. And the people, the Jewish people thought he's coming and he's going to legit take over the Roman empire. Like he's not, he's going to come and like, there's going to be like a war happening and he's our warrior and our warrior can do things like bring people back from the dead. He can heal things. And like, they thought that he was physically going to overthrow a kingdom. And you see, they wanted Jesus to save them politically. They thought that he would come in and save them from the oppression of the Roman government. But I want to tell you something. I want to remind us of something today, that Jesus wasn't coming to save them politically. You know, I think that we assign Jesus to all these other areas in our life except for our souls. We think that, man, Jesus is going to come, and we, we assign politics to Jesus, and we assign these things to Jesus. And that's not what Jesus came to do. I, I want to remind us today that we serve a bigger kingdom, by the way. Can I get an amen from somebody? We serve, a, we serve a larger kingdom, and it's the kingdom of God, and that's what Jesus was writing in to do. He wasn't as concerned about their political status as he was about their souls, as their lives, and he was coming to save them. You see, we want Jesus a lot of times to put a Band-Aid on a sickness that doesn't have a cure. We think, man, if Jesus can just... I need Jesus to just, I need him to make me less angry, right? Like I just need Jesus. Well, your anger is not the root problem. That's a fruit problem of something else going on. And, and these people thought, man, if we could just get out from under the government, like, man, we're going to be great. But no, Jesus didn't come to solve that problem. He came to solve the soul problem. You see, Jesus is the solution to our root problems. And he was riding in humbly on a donkey, to be the king of his kingdom, not of this earthly kingdom, of his kingdom. You know what? You need a savior. People, just like I spoke about a few weeks ago, people in this community need a savior. They don't need a politician. Now, politics are great. If you're into that, more power to you. Vote the way you feel like God wants you to vote, all that stuff. But I I'm telling you that people need a savior more than they need a politician. And Jesus is a savior and he rides in as their savior. The Bible tells us that this also happened during Passover. 
And Passover was a huge deal uh, and still is with the Jewish people. And it reminded the Jews, they would celebrate Passover um, to remind them of the time when they were slaves in Egypt and God was finally rescuing them out of Egypt after hundreds of years in slavery. And uh, the, the, the Bible said that they were to take a Passover lamb. This was back in Egypt. They would take a Passover lamb and they sacrificed it. They would put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost at the top and on the sides. And when Jesus, whenever the angel would come through, he would see the blood of the the lamb and he would pass over that house and they wouldn't suffer the consequences that everyone else had to suffer during that time. And so they remembered this. They celebrated Passover for hundreds, hundreds, thousands of years because it was such a big deal to their community. Jesus rides in during Passover week. This place would have been packed, by the way. There was a ton of people here witnessing this. And the interesting thing is uh, during that time, uh, the, the man of the house, all right, uh, in, in a Jewish household, they would actually go out and they would pick their Passover. Passover lamb that they would then eat uh, for Passover dinner four days before they would eat the lamb and they would sacrifice the lamb and then they would eat the meat from it and everything. And Jesus rode in four days before his death, presenting himself as the ultimate Passover lamb. Like uh, they, they would, something new is happening. And, and as the, the people are reading this letter that, that we get to read today in the gospels, they would be reading this and going, wow the image of that would be really powerful. And so he rides in, or before he even does that, I love that uh, this whole thing takes place on a borrowed donkey. Now, I love this. I, donkeys are weird animals. Uh, they, they stink. They're very stubborn. Does anyone in here own like a donkey or a mule or something at their farm? Nobody? Okay. They're weird. All right. And isn't it something weird? Like one of them doesn't sink in quicksand. Or something. Have you all ever heard that before? I'm pretty sure a donkey doesn't sink in quicksand. That has nothing to do with the message, but I think it's pretty interesting. Um, but he, he uses a borrowed donkey. Now, you, we have all modern technology. Like, we don't need really donkeys and stuff like that as much as they did back then. But that was like having a trailer, you know, like that was like, uh, we have the church has a trailer and people ask to borrow that all the time. And it, it's like, I'm sure that this donkey was used to haul stuff for this family to get stuff done. Maybe in this guy's like field where he grew stuff for his family and for the community. Like this was a useful thing. And this meant a lot to this guy. I guarantee it. It was like someone borrowing your car. Like it's a big deal to let someone do that. Right. And so I love that this story centers around a man, uh, who, let Jesus, who he may have not even known, borrow something that, that, that um, someone's act of generosity paved the way for a prophecy to be fulfilled. And I want to talk about just generosity for a second. This guy could have been stingy. He could have said no, but he said yes. And it was an act of generosity uh, that helped Jesus fulfill a prophecy and to come in and to paint this picture of him being the Passover lamb. It was because this guy was willing to let something of value of his go so that somebody could bring in salvation to the world. I want to challenge you today. One of our core values is we're outrageously generous. That's who, that's, as a church, we're generous people. We try to be generous as a church. We try to be generous personally. Uh, we hope that the people that come to our church, call our church home, that they're generous people as well. And man, I hope that there's something that, I hope that there's nothing in your life that you hold on to so tightly that God can't use it. Because I think we, we oftentimes also, uh, we, we don't, know what God can do if we don't let it go and let him have it. And uh, God used this donkey to fulfill something much bigger than what this donkey was probably thought of by this family. To this family, this was just a donkey. 
It was just a, a means of transportation, a means of hauling stuff. But to God, it was a prophecy that was being fulfilled. And some of us think too, like uh, that God only wants to use stallions. You don't have to have a barn full of stallions. You just need a donkey and a generous heart and watch what God can do. You don't have to have much to be generous. Our church, man, our church doesn't have much. Uh, our, our annual budget's like $120-ish thousand dollars a year, okay? That's what our annual budget is. But we give at least 10% of that away. Why? Because we want to be generous. Man, I, I, God can do so much more with our 10% than we can do with our 100. And so I want to put them in his hands. I want to challenge you today about generosity. Man, what, what do you have that God wants to use? And so... Jesus rides in and he goes into the city. It's a Sunday and he goes into the city. He has this amazing welcome by everybody. Everyone's really thrilled to see him. And then on Thursday, um, he'll actually go to the upper room where he'll have uh, that, that the disciples in him would have a Passover meal together. They were celebrating Passover. And so they would go to this room and uh, God, Jesus would do something that would change their thoughts forever. And they would go up there and they would have the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, depending on how you were raised. It says this in 1 Corinthians. This is Paul talking about this. It says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me, and, and often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And you came in today, and on your seat, you should have had um, your communion elements. I'm going to ask you to take those out for a second. I think we have some soft music that the computer might be playing right now, by the way. And uh, before we take this together, by the way, at our church, we practice uh, what's called open communion, which means if you're a believer in Jesus, we invite you to take it. You don't have to be a member here or anything like that. Um, but this is reserved for people who have made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of their life. And before we take this meal, I want to remind us of a few things. In this moment, Jesus was telling us a few things. And he was reminding us of a few things. The first thing is this, is this meal is rooted in redemption. I want y'all to hear me. Jesus is the only thing that can truly redeem you. He's the only one who can truly make you right. If you need to be forgiven today, if you need mercy today, if you need restoration today, if you feel broken today, this is rooted in redemption. That's what Jesus is about. Second thing, this meal isn't prepared just by anybody. This meal is prepared by Jesus. 
How many of y'all have ever been to a, a, like a party at someone's house before and the person hosting the party was just awesome? Like you got there and every, come on, raise your hand, it's okay. Everything was ready for you. It smelled good in there. I think of Allison uh, McNeil when I think of this because I've never, first of all, they're always willing to invite us over on Sunday nights and we will always say yes because I'm exhausted. I don't want to cook dinner on Sunday nights. But anytime we've been at their home, it's been ready food's been ready. There's been a plan. It's clean. They've expected us. It might not always be clean, but you have us fooled. All right. It's, it's always clean to us. But I know if there's something that Allison is preparing, it's going to be good. And it's going to be worth being there for. And there's something about when, when something like is prepared that way, it brings a comfort. It brings a comfortability that's just like, I feel at home here. And as amazing as Allison is, and Matt, you're pretty good too. But as amazing as Allison is, Jesus is so much better. And you think that she's a good host, or you think whoever you're thinking of is a good host. This meal was prepared by Jesus. And I want to tell you that Jesus has prepared everything for you. He, he's done everything. He's made a way. He's, he lived the perfect life. He, he died for you so you didn't have to die. He it's, it's ready. And all we have to do is just accept it and show up. But this meal, it's prepared by Jesus. And the last thing this meal reminds me of is the authority of Jesus. You know, Jesus was doing something new at this he said, hey, this is the new covenant. See, what you've been doing before, every year, by the way, these people, they were having to sacrifice animals and pay for their sins so that they could have a somewhat good relationship with God. And they had to do this every year. They had to go to the temple and there was this big show and it was so much work. But Jesus said, no, 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 that, that, that's been the method before, but now this is changing. I'm doing something new. I've got a new way. You see, I am the ultimate sacrifice. I am the one that's paid ultimately for all this stuff. And I want to remind you today that his sacrifice was final. It gave him authority. It gave him authority over your issues. It gave him authority over your stress. It gave him authority over your family. He gave you, it gave him authority over your business, over your brokenness, over your kids, over your, your body where you need healing. Like Jesus has authority over all of those things. And this meal reminds me of that. It, rem, it should remind us of this, that it's rooted in redemption. God can fix anything. It's prepared by Jesus. Everything that you could possibly need in your life is found by what this represents. And the authority of Jesus is found in this. There's nothing too big for God to handle. It's all under his authority. So I want you today, we're going to take this here in a second. And maybe there's something in that you need to receive along with your communion illness today. And maybe you need to just think about, God, thank you for preparing a way for me. Or God, I give you the authority over this thing that's stressing me out right now. God, I give you the authority over my kids. So if you would, just take the bread together. He broke it and said, this is my body that's broken for you. Each time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together.
And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that's poured out for you. And each time you drink this, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. So they leave the upper room. You can just put that on the ground. We'll clean up later. They leave the upper room and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, it's still Thursday, Thursday night. And Gethsemane is actually a combination of two words. Uh, One of the words means a place of pressing and the other word means for oil. And so this was a place, this was a garden that had an olive press in it. And people would come and they, there was probably a business that operated out of there, but this was a common place for people to bring their olives and they would press their olives to get different substances uh, out of their olives. And so Jesus, it's not, there's, there's no coincidence in the Bible. So Jesus moves from the upper room and he goes to the place of the pressing. He goes to the garden of Gethsemane. And in this place, he's really starting to be pressed for our sins. And the Bible tells us that when he gets there, he says, God, if this cup, if if this thing that I'm having to take on right now could just pass from me, he he asks God, is there another way? And here's the deal. Uh, Don't mishear me. Jesus was not trying to get out of saving you from your sins, okay? But what Jesus understood that we don't understand is the weight that he was about to bear. He was starting to be pressed. He was starting to to get pressed for our sins, for my sins, for your sins. And I want you to just, and he was about to take all of that physically and literally on his body all at one time. So every sinful thought that's ever been had by any human being since Adam and Eve, he's gonna feel all that at one moment. Every mistake, thing that you regret in your life that you know you shouldn't have done, he's about to take that on. Every evil thing that's ever happened in the world, including what happened in our city six days ago. Like, just just think about this. Jesus is, that's all because of sin. And Jesus is starting to take on the weight of all, not just your sin, which if he, my gosh, if he just had to die for my sins, my man would be struggling with the weight of that on his back. But he's, he's also Pastor Stephanie's sin and your sin and your sin and everyone's sin. He's, he's feeling all this at once. And he would take all of that on. And the Bible says that he would literally become sin. He would, he, it would all come on, he would become sin. And that was starting to weigh him down and starting to press him in this moment. The Bible tells us that he prayed that prayer three different times. He felt pressed three different times. Three times he prayed, three times he was pressed. And did you know that olives actually go through a th- process where they all they get pressed three times. I love the Bible. The first press, after you would press your olives once, it would produce an oil that people would use and they would put it in their lamps. And that's how they would see in the dark. And so that oil would literally turn darkness into light. The second press of an olive, 
it would produce a thicker substance. And that substance was used in medicine. And that substance would literally heal the wounds of the people who used it. And the third press, it was a little chunkier. It was used in soaps. And that press was used for cleaning things that were dirty. I don't think I need to tell you the parallel of what Jesus was going through and what he would ultimately do for your life. But in that moment, he was being pressed so that he could light up the dark, he could heal our wounds, and he could cleanse us from our sins. That's what was happening in the garden. And all of a sudden he's in the garden and one of his own followers comes up with an angry mob of people. And I can imagine it's nighttime, there's torches and they probably got weapons and they're ready to roll because they think Jesus is about to overtake the government, right? Like, and so he, they come in and Judas kisses Jesus on the cheek and he betrays Jesus. Jesus Jesus gets arrested. He gets put on the phoniest trial of all time. It, it wasn't even real. It was all just to make him look bad. They lied about him and they did all this stuff. And, and he eventually is sentenced to execution by crucifixion. And uh, they make him, they, they whip him, they beat him, they pull his beard out. They, they, make a crown of, they make a crown out of thorns and they put it on his head and they're, they're making fun of him, they're spitting on him. Um, and these people, by the way, were experts at this. The people that were, that were doing this execution, they were experts at this. They knew how to really make people suffer. And the same people that just a few days before were celebrating him were yelling, crucify him. They turned on him. So they take his hands and it was the same hands that created the universe. The same hands that touched blind eyes and made him see. The, the same hands that made deaf people hear. The, the same hands that touched the sick and made them well. They took those hands and they nailed them to a cross that was a lot like this. And they took his feet and it was the feet that would walk from town to town, spreading the good news, healing the sick. It was the feet that would run to the hurting, that would stop for the people that no one would stop for. The feet that were anointed with oil and tears just a few days before this. They took those same feet and they nailed them to a cross. And they did this because one, it would make them suffer more, but also it was a way that they couldn't escape their punishment. They literally nailed them to something. It would keep them there until they eventually just die. They would eventually suffocate. And I, but I wanna tell you something, the joke was on them because it wasn't nails that kept Jesus on the cross. I want y'all to hear me on this. The Bible says that there were 10,000 angels ready and waiting for Jesus to say the word and they would have saved him just like that. It wasn't nails that kept him there. It was his love for you that kept him there. It was his, uh, he wanted you to be made whole. He wanted you to, to have an abundant life here and an eternal life with him in heaven one day. That's what kept him there. And so the Bible talks to us about how for God so loved the world that he gave his son 
I don't know who needs to hear this today. Maybe you've just forgotten it. You've had a tough time. Maybe you've been struggling. Jesus loves you. And he loved you enough to endure all of this for you. Because here's the fact, here's bad news. If you don't accept what Jesus has done for you, you have to pay the price yourself. And I would hate for you to pay a price of something that's already been paid for. And Jesus did this and he wants a relationship with you. He wants to intervene in your life. He wants to make your marriage better. He wants to make you a better man. He wants to make you a better woman. He wants your kids to know, he he wants the best for you. And all it takes is just receiving what he's done. And so what do we do with all this? All right, we've been, we, we've gotten to, to Calvary. It's Friday now in the story. So what do we do? And the fact is this, is that with you, when you have this knowledge, it demands a response from you. You can't just sit here and not do anything. It demands a response from you. And so I want to ask you, what are you going to do? So there's a couple, there's a few different responses that we can have. And then we'll, we'll wrap it up here. The first response is this, is gratitude. Some of you, man, you might have an amazing relationship with Jesus. And uh, man, you're, you're doing your best to live a godly life. And maybe your response today is just, God, thank you. And I don't know when the last time it was that you just really thanked God for what he's done, but maybe that's your response today. Maybe for you, it's confession. Um, That sounds super churchy, kind of old school. Maybe if you grew up Catholic, you might be used to hearing that word, but confession's a really healthy thing for us to do. And I know that there are things that people are walking in here with that you're carrying the weight of when Jesus wants to take that from you. There's struggles in here that we're having with certain, it might be a sin, it might be a way of thinking, uh, it might be uh, you're, you're very anxious and you're stressed or maybe you're going through a season of depression and you're just like, God, I don't know if I can take this anymore. And that's something, not all confession is just, here's the bad things I've done, but it's just admitting like, God, I'm struggling with this right now. And maybe that's the response you have to have today because when Jesus died on this cross, he took that away. And we're carrying around weights that we shouldn't be carrying around. So maybe it's gratitude, maybe it's confession, or maybe it's this last thing and it's surrender. And some of you, this is why you're here today. You may have thought that you came to see a cute little baby get dedicated, which if you're here for that, very glad you're here. And they are cute. They've all got past their alien face, right? Where they look like little aliens. They look beautiful now. They always look beautiful, but you know. But maybe that's why you thought you were here. You're here to just see Jeremiah or Zeke or whatever. And I would tell you, maybe not. Maybe you're here for this right here. It's time for you to give your life to Jesus and to surrender everything to him. What better decision could you make? There isn't one. And the thing is, is that Jesus wants you to do it. And some of you are thinking, I don't know if I can do that. Maybe once I stop drinking, uh, once I stop doing this, or once I stop, no, 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 no. 
Listen, you, you don't clean yourself up and then come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and he cleans you up. It just takes you surrendering, saying, God, I've been doing this my way for too long and I'm ready to do life your way. I want to give everything to you. And so here's what we're going to do. First, I want to just bow our heads and close our eyes for a second. If you're in here today, and maybe that last thing is for you, and like, God, I, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. I need to give him my life. On the count of three, I just want to ask you to raise your hand and put it down. We're not going to make you come up here and stand in front of everybody. We just want to know who we're praying for today. And if you want to make that decision to surrender everything to Jesus, on the count of three, just raise your hand. All right, one, two, three. I'm going to lift it up. All right, you can put it down. If you raise your hand, you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus. You can say something like this. You can put it in your own words. You say, dear God, I need you. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for coming back to life. And I give my life to you. And in the best way I know how, I'll live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And y'all can look up at me one more time. If you made that decision, take the Connect card you had in your seat, fill that out, let us know because we want to help you. Um, but all of us came in today and this was on our seat. There's a black piece of paper. Y'all get this out for me. And you have a little golf pencil. Um, here's our moment of response today. We have a cross up here and... Uh, I think that we need to do some business with God today. And so team's going to sing one more song. And uh, we made these blacks. You can literally write anything on them. And people aren't going to get nosy up here and see like, what did he write about? You know, because uh, we're all nosy. Let's be honest. But we made them black so that you can write whatever you want on here. But um, there might be something that's just weighing heavy on you. I know there's some medical things going on with some of you, and maybe that's just like stealing your joy. And there might be some mental things going on. There might be some relational things. There might be a sin that you're dealing with. Your marriage might be in trouble. You might need God to come through. Whatever the thing is that you need to take to Jesus today, I want you to write it on this card. And then as we start singing, we're gonna, you can stay in your seats. You can think about it, write it down. And when you're ready, I want you all to come up here and after you write it down, there's a bunch of nails up here. You can literally just come and kind of stick it on there. And I want us to do that. I want some movement and some action. Because there's something that's going to happen to you when you leave it here. So some of you, you got some big stuff that you need to leave here today. And the good news is, is that Jesus wants to take it from you. We just have to make the effort to give it to him. And so this is just going to be a sign that like, God, I'm writing this down and I'm going to leave it here. And when I leave this room today, I'm leaving that in this room. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to do better about, I'm not going to struggle with this as much. I'm going to be nicer to my kids. If that's something that I'm going to be more patient, God, I'm, I'm not going to worry about uh, my parent who's struggling with their health. I, I'm God, I'm trusting you with it. I gave it to you. So whatever it is that you need to do today to respond, I want you to take some time, write it down on that card, and whenever you need to, come up here. 
leave it at the cross and then our team's going to be singing and after that I'll come up and dismiss us but God you're in this place I trust you I pray that you're moving in the hearts of uh, the people in this room right now God would you be bringing up right now the things that they need to be writing down on this card and I pray that they would leave those things here today Jesus would you Receive these things from us, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.